0: to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise you for what has been accomplished for us in Jesus. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Life that has been purchased and peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ for those who believe. So even now, Lord, in these moments, as we begin to open your word and to see the testimony of the resurrected Savior, I pray that even now in these moments, your spirit would begin his work in the hearts of those who believe and those who currently disbelieve. Activate in their hearts and minds. Awaken them to truth. Help them to see. Open blind eyes. Liberate dead hearts and draw them to life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When our kids were small, we would uh, play this little game that when we were at a traffic light and the light was red, I would say the magic word and the light would turn green. Some of you are like, What is that word? <laughs> I'd like to know that word. It's, it's the word abracadabra. And, and, and how it would work is that is you would see the yellow light in the opposing traffic about to turn red and then you would know that your light was about to turn green, and that was the moment where you would say, abracadabra, and the light would turn green, and the kids, whoa, this is amazing. How did he do this? We don't ever have to stop at a red light because Daddy knows the magic word. Daddy, do it again. Do it again. Of course, what had the appearance of power, words that had the appearance of power, lacked actual power. But not so with God, not so with our savior Jesus, whose words from start to finish bring power, convey the power of God to breathe life into the world and also the power to lead to death. We see at the very outset of the scriptures, starting from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the power of God with words, Words that bring life, words that speak life in material and substance out of nothingness. And God brings power and life through words. Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working together as one to create and to breathe life and material and substance into darkness. Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1, 6, and 7, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And it was so verse 9 and God said let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so verse 11 and God said let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed fruit bearing trees in which there is seed according to its kind on earth and it was so Verse 14 and 15, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years. And it was so. And We find the same in verse 20, in verse 24, in verse 26, that God speaks and life responds. Birds and creatures and living things swarming in the sea and the life given to man. God says in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The very outset of the scripture, God through his prophet Moses wants to establish this thing that God speaks and his words have power. We've been coming face to face with the power of the words of God over the past five weeks. As we have looked in Luke chapter 4, as Jesus begins to emerge in ministry in Nazareth in Galilee, and we see the mission statement of Jesus read from Isaiah chapter 61 that gives testimony to the emphasis of proclamation and life giving words. This is, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus read, because he has anointed me to proclaim. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, in recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We have seen the testimony of words, the power of words to bring life, spiritual life to those who have hearts that are dead in a spiritual way. The words of God, of Jesus in that first century of healing the sick, of casting out demons, of opening blind eyes, of cleansing lepers, raising the dead, stilling the wind in the waters, instructing the masses, rebuking the Pharisees and encouraging the faint-hearted. The power of words that were seen in the physical realm were to bear witness and testimony to the power of the words that could also breathe spiritual life into dead spiritual hearts. Jesus' words have power to save. His words have power. And this morning, as we come to our passage in Luke chapter 24, I would encourage you to turn there with me. Uh, In the Pew Bible in front of you, on page 884, you will find Luke chapter 24. And I would encourage you to follow along. Because we're going to see from our passage today that given all of the evidence, given all the testimony, all the proofs, all the physical testimony and witness of a resurrected Savior, that, that apart from the ministry of words, there was only death, spiritual lifelessness. And so while you may think, my, what would it have been like to have been there 2,000 years ago, to have seen the stone rolled away, to, to go and to observe the empty tomb. To have the witness of heavenly angels and all of the the proofs that existed in the physical realm this passage this morning will help us understand the fact that they are not at an advantage that those of us who have the ministry of words and those of us who have the work of the spirit working in our life to activate the truth to draw us into salvation, to help us understand the marveling mystery of the gospel. That's all we need. It's provided to us through the resurrected Savior. I want to walk us through this resurrection story briefly so that we can then get to the resurrection portrait. We're going to have several baptisms afterwards and the, the testimony of, or the portrait of the of the resurrected Savior showing forth in the the death and burial and resurrection that's illustrated through baptism. But this morning as we open up the scriptures and we see from Luke chapter 24 verse one, we see first of all that we have life through resurrection. We can enjoy spiritual life because of the resurrected Savior. Notice, Verse 1 says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Now, who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a group of ladies, a group of women who came to the tomb, disciples from Galilee who had come with Jesus and with the rest of the disciples and had made their pilgrimage into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with Jesus and the rest of his followers. Here they were. We find their story. That's drawn from, the, from chapter 23, and we can, we can see who these ladies are. Notice 23 verses 54 and 55. It was the day of preparation, or the day uh, of Passover preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb, and how his body was laid, then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the sabbath day they rested according to the commandment they saw where jesus was laid they saw that he had had died and was buried and as a result of all that they saw they understood that jesus was now dead and in preparation of that time that would come on this morning this special sunday morning the first day of the week they would come to to bring spices and anoint the lord's body Luke was referring to these women. We we find their names in verse 10 of chapter 24 Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women, who were all part of this fellowship of ladies who followed after the Lord. They've already prepared for this day. We, We find that in chapter 23, verse 56, that they returned and prepared spices and ointments. They had come ready. They were ready to serve, ready to anoint, ready to bless the body of Jesus that was dead. We don't know about the amount of the spices that were brought, but we do know that that Nicodemus, who had prepared the body for burial, brought 75 pounds of spices in order to prepare Jesus' body for burial. And here they were coming at early dawn, we find in verse 1. Mark says, Very early on the first day of the week, The sun had not yet risen. John chapter 20 verse 1 says, while it was still dark, their devotion had brought them early to the tomb somewhere between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning to to serve the Savior's body. They come in faith. And they come in faith because they know that there was a, a stone that was rolled in the way. And coming in faith to do this service and wor- of worship to, to, to Jesus, they, they recognize that something significant has to happen for them in order to carry out this task. This stone must be rolled away. That's the problem. Matthew chapter 27, verse 58 to 61 says, Joseph took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a clean linen, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut out in a rock. He rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. So as they approach the tomb, this burning question is on their mind. Who will roll away the stone for us? Verse 2, we find in Luke chapter 24, a miracle has happened. They find the stone rolled away. Miracle number one. Prayer had been answered. Proof and evidence of the resurrected Savior. The stone rolled away. This word found is to discover. It's usually and normally used in the scripture to indicate surprise, something unexpected. And they show up to the tomb and find the stone rolled away. It is surprising to them. Well, there had been an earthquake on their way to the tomb, as we find in Matthew chapter 28. Verse 2. Behold, it says, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. God had answered the prayer. The the, the tomb stood open. The the open tomb was there as an indication that Jesus had risen from the dead. But not only the open tomb, but also the empty tomb. Notice in verse 3. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They did not find this body. Again, Luke uses this word, this same word, to indicate the surprise that was on their minds. They were mystified. They were perplexed. They they didn't understand what was going on. This was not what they had expected. It took them by surprise. Miracle number two. Evidence. Evidence that Jesus had, in fact, raised from the dead. And because of this, we find in verse 4, they were perplexed. They don't know what to make of this. They they saw him put into the tomb. They saw the stone rolled in place. They recognized that that, that he was there, but now their head was swimming. What in the world is taking place? And, of course, to look at the account in John chapter 20, we, we know what was in Mary's heart. Mary, in speaking with the gardener, asks him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Perhaps someone else has lifted this body and carried it to another place. They're perplexed at what was taking place. The resurrection had happened. The evidence was before him, before them. But with all the evidence, they still needed something more. The resurrection of Christ and all the life that Christ would give to his believers through the resurrected body, through the confirmation of that finished work would come through the resurrection. Our faith depends upon a resurrected Savior. But we find that we not only have life through the resurrection, we also have life through the ministry of the word of God. Notice verse four of chapter 24. While they were perplexed, About this behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground an appearance of heavenly messengers and that's significant because what they needed is a ministry of words they needed ministry of the Word of God given through angelic messengers to begin this process of leading them to faith because the resurrected Savior must be accompanied by a ministry of words. The ministry of the life giving, truth telling words of God. And here they were. God sends messengers. It's a ministry of grace to these women. His mercy to convey and to remind them of the truths that been, they've been hearing for the, for the past three years. These two angels meet them at the tomb. And it is clear to these ladies who these messengers are. Notice, they are frightened, bowing their faces to the ground. But even with the presence of angelic witnesses, even with the empty tomb, even with the stone rolled away, the ministry of all of these things, the evidence laid before them, they were still unbelieving. So the angels continue to speak, They speak to them and say, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. With all that was before them, they needed this ministry of words, not only from the angels, but as the angels then remind them of the words of Jesus himself. They continue the words of Christ now coming onto their lips. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day will rise. Remember Jesus' words. Jesus had prophesied on at least three occasions that this would take place. It wasn't an accident, Jesus wasn't a victim of circumstances. This wasn't a tragedy in that wicked men overcame him. Jesus stepped into the cross. Willingly, by design, the Father's design, he submitted to the will of God in subjecting himself to death so that he could bear the sin of all who would believe on him. Luke chapter 9, verse 22, Jesus will prophetically state what will happen. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. In Luke 9, 44, Jesus would say, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. And then a third time in Luke chapter 18, Jesus will say, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the, by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon and after flogging him they will kill him and on the third day he will rise the power of the resurrection the ministry of the words and yet with all of the evidence in front of them they still had eyes that were blind to the truth they needed something more one more work and that is the work of the spirit and that's what we see next in our passage the work of the spirit to open blind eyes notice and they remembered his words. They remembered his words. That's significant. This word remembered is in the passive voice, which means that they were recipients of action. They remembered because of a work outside of them that was helping them to recall all of the things that that God had said, that Jesus had said during his ministry. They needed the ministry of words, but they also needed the work of the Spirit to activate that truth in their hearts and lead them to sight, to spiritual vision. On at least two occasions when Jesus had prophesied about his future death and resurrection... We find something very interesting in the passage in Luke chapter 9, verse 45. Notice, they did not understand this saying. It was concealed from them that they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the saying. And then in Luke chapter 18, verse 34, we find something very similar. They understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said because they needed the resurrection. They needed the ministry of words and they needed the work of the Spirit to activate truth in their heart. And now it was all present and now they remembered. They remembered because of the work of God in their life. These women needed a spiritual awakening and the Holy Spirit gave it to them the spirit activated this truth in their hearts so they could see and the ministry that jesus points to in the upper room to his disciples in john chapter 14:26 is coming to life where he says the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance or bring to your remembrance all that i have said to you the same root word remembrance This is the work of the Spirit. This is what the Spirit does in the hearts of those who believe. He uses the the life-giving resurrection. Jesus as the first fruits of, of of that one who came to life and overcame death and makes that available to us who gave himself as the very word of God and then works through the Holy Spirit to activate that truth in our hearts to lead us to faith. The Spirit will do the same thing for the disciples on the road to Emmaus in chapter 24, verse 31. Notice, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture, the work of God to accomplish and activate truth so they could believe. The result of faith the work of God in their life this remembrance led them to also witness notice and returning from the tomb they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the Apostles those who believe Those who have enjoyed and experienced the ministry of words, the life-giving words of Christ to them, will also be those who give and commend those words to others. This morning, we have the joy of seeing the work of God in the hearts of several children and, uh, and one adult through the waters of baptism. I want to give you the opportunity to enjoy their testimonies as we have them on video, I want to warn you, it's 11.40 right now, and this will prob- probably take us for 30 minutes, okay? If you, I would, I would ask that at 12 o'clock or somewhere close to that, those of you who have kids back in the children's church in, in the nursery, if you can bring them in to just enjoy what's left of our baptism and, uh, and bear with us as we, as we enjoy the testimony of the work of God in the hearts of, of his people, And as they give testimony, both with voice and with action, of their faith in Jesus and their commitment to obedience. So we're going to sing a song. Let me pray for us, and then we'll transition to our time of baptism. Father, thank you for your ministry to us, the ministry of your life uh, through Jesus Christ, who came to serve and not to be served, to give his life a ransom for many. Thank you for his willing surrender, of surrendering his will to the will of the Father in, in going to the, uh, to the cross, submitting himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then he was raised, and on this day we celebrate the resurrection, the resurrected Savior, who because of your life in overcoming death offers hope and life to us, And Father, this morning I pray that that same ministry of words and that same work of your spirit will have its way among us this morning. Thank you for those who have received you as their Savior and the testimonies that they will give here in the next few moments. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.